Hello there. Welcome to episode number 405 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and with me today is Estelle Halleck. Estelle is a publicist for Forever, which is part of Hachette, and I know that you guys really like it when I do behind-the-scenes interviews with the people who help make the books that we love happen. So if you're curious about being a publicist and how publicity is working during the quarantines, this interview will make you very happy. We talk about all the things, I ask a lot of questions, and we have reading recommendations. Now, I do want to let you know, we do talk about the Hachette walkout, which happened in early March and feels like five years ago. We don't go much into the specifics of the memoir that led to the walkout, but we look at what happened internally and what happened after and how acting together has made a big difference, which seems rather thematic for these times. I want to send a special hello. Hello to April and her friend at the library, who are currently scanning every book in the children's section and each have one earphone in to listen to the show. Hello, ladies. And to the most awesome librarian at the Florence County Public Library in South Carolina, whose Facebook page is not here for anyone's crap. And I will have a link because it's a really great library Facebook page. They are not here for any bull crap misinformation. Now, I have a lot of things to tell you about but first and foremost, I want to give out some compliments. Yay, I love this part. It's so much fun. To Jesse M. Your personal coat of arms includes the perfect pair of pajamas, the warmest quilt, excellent depictions of snacks, and everything great, because you too are everything great. And if you would like a compliment of your very own, or you would like to support this here show, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches and a very special hello and thank you to our Patreon community. Now, I am part of a network of podcasts, and if you are looking for another show to enjoy, I would like to tell you about this one. Hi, I'm Elle Penelope, and I'm an author of epic fantasy and paranormal romance. My podcast, My Imaginary Friends, is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. On the show, I give you, dear listener, a weekly look behind the scenes of my life writing and publishing books. I talk about creativity, inspiration, writing routines, this week's best thing, and more. One reviewer said, it's like sitting down with a writer friend to have coffee and discuss all the writerly things. So if you're an established or an aspiring writer, or a reader who always wanted a peek into an author's life, please check it out. New episodes post on Mondays, and you can find me at myimaginaryfriendsshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, L. Penelope. And of course, I will have links to where you can subscribe, or you can just search My Imaginary Friends with L. Penelope on your favorite podcatcher. And I think podcatcher might be my favorite word this year. It's really fun to say. <laughs> I'm so easily amused by things, right? This episode is brought to you by Ritual a daily multivitamin obsessively researched for women. Ritual is, get ready, vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free, and all of the sources for the nine nutrients inside are provided for you to read and research on your own. Ritual is designed to be an easy way to build a daily multivitamin, wait for it, Ritual, huh? A subscription box of vitamins will arrive on your doorstep and your next bottle will arrive just as you finish the last one. It's super easy and super effective, and it's only a dollar a day to have your daily multivitamin delivered to your house. 
Ritual is offering you, as a Smart Podcast Trashy Books listener, 10% off your first three months. You can fill in the gaps with Essential for Women by visiting ritual.com forward slash Sarah, that's S-A-R-A-H, to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash Sarah. This episode is also brought to you by Best Fiends. If you are looking for a fun way to pass some time, which we have some of, and you'd like to engage your brain and enjoy a fun and really adorable story, your answer is Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a casual game that anyone can play, though it is made for adults. Each level is part of a larger story. Each level involves a puzzle to solve, and as you advance to the next one, you both level up the difficulty and reveal more of the story. There are super adorable creatures that you're going to help. There are bugs, there are swiping puzzles, characters talking to me. It's really fun, and it's a really engaging way to pass time. You can engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. With over 100 million downloads, trust me, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. And now on with this episode with Estelle Halleck talking publicity and book recommendations. My name is Estelle Halleck, and I am the Publicity and Marketing Manager at Forever. Now, Forever is part of Hachette, right? It is part of Hachette, and you right, said you it right. how proud I am that I got that right, because not only does everyone in romance publishing switch places and switch houses when somebody somewhere rings a bell, but... I lose track of which imprints belong to which houses, and I have made some incredibly stupid mistakes. I'm really glad I got that right. It happens all the time. It's really hard to keep track. I feel like we need a flowchart or something to just inform everybody maybe every few months or so where we are and who we are. And also, you know, the, the houses merge. So it's like, wait, are you this one or this one or are you both? Right. And then I think it's also confusing because... You might be hearing New York behind me. I'm not sure. Because Hello, New York. Hello, New York. Um, because uh, we're part of Grand Central, and sometimes they also publish some some romance. And um, our books are sometimes complement each other. And I think that could be a little bit confusing for people, too. Well, I didn't actually realize that Grand Central and Forever were separate things. I thought that they were interchangeable names that you used based on the genre. So, hey, I learned a thing today. <laughs> Look at that. Yay. How did you get into romance publicity and what do you, what do you do? I never really set out to be a publicist of romance novels. Um, I always thought I wanted to work in editorial way, way back when I was a baby Estelle and that ended up not really working out. I, I just feel like I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been doing some um, like informational interviews with people. And then you're all of a sudden thinking back to all the things you did before and how you ended up where you are now. How I'm did like, I get here? Why? This is not my beautiful wife. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but I, you know, was a writing major and I loved books and I always thought I wanted to do something with books. But it just didn't work out, like finding a job in editorial. I worked in um, at a recruitment firm for six years, a really long time. I thought I would 
get in, jump into publishing after that because that was what they specialized in. But it was like the recession. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do anymore. And then I actually got into book blogging. And I did that um, starting in 2011. And it like opened up a whole new world to me. Like I had a community of people. I was reading books and reviewing them. I was meeting authors and I was helping them promo their books. And then sort of a light bulb went off. And I'm like, hey, maybe I can actually get paid to do this. <laughs> um, not well. I won't get paid well, but like maybe I can still get paid. Um, so I I ended up like one of the bloggers I was friends with was just leaving an internship with a lit agency. She knew that I was like hoping to move into a new kind of job. So she asked me if I wanted to take that over. So I got that position, which was also weird because the person who hired me ended up like quitting. So then these two people who had no idea who I was like came to New York and met with me and they were like, oh, this is actually going to do like quite fine. So I started doing um, a little like blog tours and a little bit of PR for for romance authors. Um, and I did that for a while. And then finally, I felt like with the blog and with the internship that I, and I was still, you know, working full time, I was like, it's it might be time to just apply for something real. Um, so I did. And I thought I'd work in children's books. I loved YA. I loved reading young adult. I thought that was what I wanted to do. I never, I don't even, at that point, I didn't even really think about working in romance. Um, And I did not work in YA, my first job in publicity. I worked at um, a university press where I worked on books that were really tough. And every day I was like, I am just not smart enough for this. But then... (laughs) It was it was it was really crazy. I think it was so out of my comfort zone that I'm actually grateful that that was my first job, like truly in publishing. I, I learned so much, and I think it's really um, I don't know. It was just like fascinating people, people who had been you know studying the su- like the subjects they were writing on for years and years and years, and were experts. And then me as a baby publicist having to learn the best questions to ask them so that I could pitch the book, even if I had no idea what they were really talking about. So it was really interesting. And I still was like blogging and I was still reading um, YA and oh, like reading some romance. Romance was always like my palate cleanser at that point. I was just going to ask that. What, what, yeah. were your, what were you reading? Was romance something that you read at all at that point? Like what, what were you book blogging about? It's so funny because my mom was a huge romance reader and I used to steal her books all the time. And then I really went through a period where I just stopped reading a lot. I think that was college because you're just, you know, (laughs) reading everything you have to, you're assigned for class. Um, And then I got into reading YA just when it started coming into the scene again, I guess it really started to blow up and I was reading a lot of books about high school and I'm like, I, and I don't know, I just really like them, but there was always a romance element. And then honestly, like once I was working, once I was blogging and I was getting pitched books, a very smart publicist also pitched me about reading romance. And I'm like, huh, I haven't thought about reading romance in a really long time. Um, And then I started. So I started like coming back to romance, reading like Susan Mallory um, which, you know, there were like a million books in the Fool's Gold series to read. So I was like keeping up with those. And it just was like a night after reading so much YA, it was nice to like read four YA books and then read a romance novel. And I sort of started getting back into it that way. 
So I will thank book blogging for um, getting me back into romance. Yeah, I've heard that's a thing that happens. Yeah. I think it also happened to me. Really? (laughs) Well, I started Smart Bitches uh, 15 years ago because I I, I read a lot of romance and I didn't have a place to talk about it. And book blogging brought me even more into the genre. Like when I started Smart Bitches, I had a very limited understanding of the genre. I read like two types. And then all of a sudden, um, it was actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, it was Erin Galloway, who was the first publicist to ever contact me as a as a blogger. That's so funny. Back when no, she I was that. at Dorchester. She was at Dorchester. Remember oh Dorchester? Yes, yes. They sank to the bottom of the ocean. But she she contacted me. <laughs> And was like, do you want to be on our list? And I was like, list of what? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, we'll send you books. And I'm like, okay. So then I got galleys and they were like wrapped in almost construction paper. They were a larger format. They were heavier uh, paper and they had uh, like a plain paper cover with just the title and author. And I was like, oh my God, they're, they're like premature. They're, <laughs> they're not even, they're not even books yet. And then I like read one and I emailed her. I'm like, do you want this back? And she's like, no, do oh not God. send, do not. No, you may not send that back. That is but so she cute. Was the, I know I was so clueless. I had no knowledge about anything. And all of a sudden I started reading more genres and the more I read, the more I could see, oh, this is on this part of romance is like this part of romance. And the more I read, the more I wanted to read. So yeah, book blogging is dangerous. It's a dangerous hobby. Oh my God, it is dangerous. It's also very expensive. <laughs> oh, you do yeah. not say. <laughs> yeah. So you ended up doing romance publicity. I did. What are the differences that you've noticed between romance publicity and academic publicity? Uh, well, everyone wants to cover academic publicity because all of every what they're writing is what's newsworthy. And I think that was like something I didn't even think about when I started working at the university press. And then going, I did work on kids in between that and then worked and then started in romance. Um, And then realizing just how like media was not very friendly to romance, which was something like I knew. And I knew that it was, this was going to be more of a marketing job and a job where I was talking more to the directly to the consumer. Um, But it's been kind of nice. I've been at forever for three years now. And I think, you know, media has really started to come back to romance, oh, which yes. is nice because then I kind of get the thrill back that I had when I was working on the university press and, you know, getting like something in the New York times or whatever. Like I, I miss that thrill and I miss that high. Yeah. Um, so it, it's nice that it comes, it's coming back um, in this job where I never thought that maybe we, I would ever feel that way again, but I was actually okay with that too. <laughs> So when you were at an academic press, your house would publish something that was incredibly newsworthy and incredibly relevant and major news outlets who want to be seen as equally informed and relevant would basically fall all over themselves to cover the things that you were producing. Basically. Yeah. That was- Romance isn't like that. No, it isn't like that. It's super uh, annoying. It is annoying, but I actually think like the way that my brain works because I started at the university press and knowing that there is a little hook in there. If you just like, even like, I mean, I never worked on, I was new ish, so I never really worked on our main titles, but even for a small thing, I could find a good pitch. Right. And I think that helps me now 
when it doesn't seem like there might be something there. But I think I think about it a little too much, but I'm that is also just an Estelle thing. But um, I don't know. I think it it helps, especially because I didn't understand all of the books that I was working on um, at the university press. Like it wasn't something that I was comfortable like. I mean, I was comfortable going to media and pitching them, but I wouldn't say like I could sit and have like an hour conversation with the author about it. Like that would be really hard for me. Um, And here it's a little bit different because I mean, romance is like emotion and all of all of these other things. But then sometimes there is a hook there and I, I still try to look for it. Even when media is more friendly to it, I think even just looking for the hook for a marketing campaign or um, just something extra that the author can do, like there's different ways to sort of like shift <laughs> the way you're presenting a book, right? Yeah. So that's really interesting. So your so your skill set moving from academia through children's into romance is basically distillation and and identifying the various precise elements that are going to create interest from either the press or the consumer or both in the book so you can distill what the absolute essence of a book is that makes it relevant or that how someone could cover it other than saying because it's as as you know it's very hard to be like and here's a book I know it is. Here's a book is not going to work. Here's a book and why is what works. So the why is the hook and you can, you can identify that better and better with having worked in different genres. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I definitely feel that especially when I talk to other publicists or just even talking to people who are new out of college and what they want to do. It's like, I always try to say, okay, you might not be working in a, in a company with books that you are going to go to the bookstore to pick out, but that doesn't mean you can't be good at your job and it doesn't mean it can't help you along the way. And I am just like so grateful to that university press job like every single day. Wow, that is really cool. Because like 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 you said when you were when you're looking back at how did I get here? You can sort of see the through line of the skill set that you've built on even if you didn't recognize that at the time. Exactly. Exactly. Like I never thought, I didn't know what would happen. It's just like, you want to get your foot in the door, right? That's what everyone says about publishing. And I thought by, you know, working at the press that would help. And I always dreamed like I would go to kids and like work in kids forever after that, which is funny, (laughs) forever. Um, and (laughs) And then that's like not, that's not even close to what happened. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm just, I'm such a planner and, um, but I think I've learned that it's okay not to be. And sometimes you just have to like try the thing. And if you're not happy for whatever reason, you just need to like move on to the next and see how you can make yourself happy in the next position, you know? Right. Absolutely. I'm presuming here that when you're working with romance, you're working with a slightly higher volume in terms of number of books in a year than in an academic press. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, you get a lot more books to find the hooks for. Yeah, it's true. Oh, it's um, this is definitely the highest volume of books I've ever worked on at one time, um, and that's really tough. I, it's you know the hardest. There's thing new is, ones every week. I, I know. I know. <laughs> It's like you, I think you just have to prioritize them in different ways, which is, it's, that's also hard because, you know, the book is the author's baby, but sometimes it also feels like my own. Um, (laughs) 
And you Oh really- yeah, because I've talked to you about books that you're really into and it's it's I I know this feeling. Yeah, it's you want to give equal attention to everything, but I actually think that's sort of the benefit of having authors who are writing maybe three books a year, which, mm-hmm. you know, God bless them for doing that. But also it gives me a different opportunity each time. It's like, okay, out of the three, which one is your is the one that has your heart this year? And then kind of focusing on on that one and then figuring out other things to do with the other two. So I think it's yeah. just again, it's like shifting the way that publicity would work at like a regular Press. And then also because I do have the marketing title too, I think that helps. You know, some titles are going to be more marketing heavy and more about like word of mouth and getting it to a reader, um, whereas maybe they won't be a media friendly book. Um, it's t- it's really it's tough. It's tough. I think the biggest problem that I have, if this was a job interview, <laughs> um, I think that I just want. I it's hard to turn it off. I think, you know, publicity and marketing, you could be doing it all day. You could just be mm-hmm. 24 hours and like, but you have to know when to stop. And I am not always good at that. It must be also difficult to separate your leisure reading from your work reading. Yes, that's true. I mean, that was the one benefit of working at an academic press, right? It was like, right, I, yeah. I was really just like reading the intro of a book and then maybe going through the chapters to look at something that was interesting for an excerpt, but I was never really reading the book in entirety. Um, Mm -hmm. And here it's funny because I do want to read the books um, all the way to the end. And then I, but I also need to make time for the things that I like to read um, or else I'm going to go crazy. So you need um, to replenish yourself with the things you enjoy. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, it's funny because like I just finished one of forever's books last night and I'm like, like, even though the book is leisurely to me as a forever book, and a book that I'm working on, I'm still thinking like, how can I use that? Is that fun? Will other people think that's interesting? And you're not really mm-hmm. doing that when you're reading a, a book just for fun. Unless, unless you are, unless you are. Yep. People- I know all the words to that song. If I pick up a book, um, there's always a part of my brain going, how are you going to review this? What do you think? How are you going to explain this to a reader? What is, what are you going to communicate about this story to a reader when you review it? How are you going to write about it? And I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to read here. Do you take notes when you're doing that kind of thing? Or do you just like, do you not take notes? Do you just take pictures of pages with your phone? Like, how do you manage that? It depends. Um, I, I always read digitally. I just don't have enough physical space in my house for the number of books that I read. Uh, So I highlight things and I will look at my highlights or I will write down notes if I'm having what I call word labor, which is when my brain starts producing the words, whether I like it or not. (laughs) Um, So sometimes that happens and it's like, here are all the thoughts about this book. Get a pen. Like, thank you. I was trying to do something else, but all right, fine. Um, (laughs) So sometimes I take notes. Sometimes I can read a book and I know exactly like the top three things I want to say about it. The The review writing muscles are very strong at this point. Usually what I'm trying to do is explain what the book is doing, explain what I thought about the book, and then try to identify that with a letter grade, which is often the hardest point to, to do. Sometimes that involves taking notes and sometimes my brain's like, yep, here you go. One, two, three, and we're done. Isn't that interesting? Brains are weird, man, because if I read outside the genre, like if I read outside romance, my brain is terrified. Like, 
And they're going to be happy at the end? What if they're not happy at the end? What if they're all dead? What if someone kills the dog? What? what, what this is not okay. Let's go back. Oh, no. I just read a book two weeks. I don't, you know, I don't know what time is right now, but I read maybe a few weeks ago, I read a book and the dog was killed at the end. I'm like, no, this is terrible. Uh -uh. No, I'm not okay. (laughs) I don't remember. I think it might have also been Aaron again. Aaron's like a secondary role in this podcast episode. Uh, She sent me an Nora Roberts that involved dogs. And I emailed her and I said, if a single dog dies in this book, we are going to have a problem. And she's like, I completely and utterly promise that the dogs are all fine. And I was like, (laughs) okay. Thank you. Not here for this. Not at all. No, 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 no. You cannot kill the dog. Not happening. I know. That was so terrible. Ugh. So here's a question for you. In a normal time, when you would, you know, leave your apartment, (laughs) put on a dress, maybe, (laughs) I would would actually do my hair. Um, My hair is so big. Oh, my God. I want to talk to you about your hair. My hair is like as a fellow short-haired person, my hair is oh my a disaster. <laughs> Estelle, Estelle, I'm growing a mullet. It's oh. a mullet. I can almost make a ponytail in the back. Oh, oh my, my God. gosh. That's what hilarious. do I do? I, I think you need to shave the back of it. No? I, well, my, my, my sons are like, mom, mom, I, and we have a beard trimmer. We don't have hair clippers and hair clippers are very hard to find right now. Um, but my husband has a beard, so we have a beard trimmer and I've been trimming everyone's sideburns, which if you can do makes a world of difference because it's just the part next to your face. And all of a sudden it's, you know, you're a little shaggy in the top, but your sideburns look great. <laughs> um, that soothed both of my kids for a little while, but I'm thinking I might have to take the beard trimmer and just start shaving heads. Uh, it's, I, my hair kind of grows out. So I like the sides are, are horrible. And that's kind of my signal when I need to get a haircut. Um, even though I've already missed two clearly, and I'm going to continue to miss them. And I still have been thinking about growing out my hair anyway. Well, now's the time. (laughs) I know. I was like, well, at least I can go through the real terrible part where I'm just hanging out with my cat and my husband. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, hair is hair. Hair is, ooh. and let what let us not even discuss eyebrows. I gotta be honest. I think, and I've been looking through a lot of old pictures because that's been like one of my quarantine projects. And you know, I used to butcher my eyebrows when I was like in college and high school. Everyone did, I think. Yeah. Right. So then, I've been in the like grow out for a while. Like I haven't gotten my eyebrows done in probably two years now, but because of all of the extra plucking, like I just have holes in my eyebrows now. So I have to say like my eyebrows is the part that I'm like least worried about at the moment. Oh, I look like caterpillars have parked across my forehead. (laughs) The big ones, the big ones you see after like the rain has come out. That's what I got rolling right now. I got, I got the Fulbert unibrow. It's it's really something. And it's weird because I look at it and I'm like, I don't look like myself, but oh yeah, look at those brows. Okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> Have you started digging in the back of the toiletry cabinet for like dippity do and like extra strength hair product that you only have a tiny bit left of? Cause I, I did that this weekend. It's funny because I have kind of stopped with this new kind of cut I have with my bangs, I guess I have stopped really using a lot of product, but I was thinking, thank God I still, I didn't throw out what I had because yes. I'm, going, I'm going to need it. <laughs> so in the before times when you left your home and went to work, 
publicity was trying to get media coverage and connecting books with readers and connecting books with bookstores and setting up events for release dates and things like that. Um, None of that is happening now. What are the things that are the same and what are the things that are different doing publicity? I should start by saying before all of this happened, I was fully expecting my author to go on tour in April. So I had organized the entire tour. I had booked all of the travel. And then, yeah. And then when we're, you know, we started being really serious about being home, we still had about a month to go. And I was thinking like about all of the hours, like it's a very detail oriented project and planning travel for someone else uh, yes it's incredibly detailed i used to do it it's it's minute by minute accounting of someone else's movement and time and then you have to communicate it with them and you're not there so you have to make sure it goes smoothly oh yeah i've been there that's not fun and it's a lot of work it is a lot of work and it was her first one it was her first tour yeah and i was like so in addition to knowing that i was going to be stuck in my apartment for many weeks and that our whole lives were changing. I was really kind of mourning all of that work and also the fact that she wasn't going to get this first tour. And I think that was really hard. It was extremely hard to deal with. And we're about to the place where she would have been done touring like at the end of this month, which is, and I'm still thinking about it because I, I'm like, Oh man, like at any time, this would have been such a different month, but you know, we, it, we rebounded. And I think that was something that was really tough to do. And I'm glad that I was working with someone who was so flexible. Um, She was willing to do absolutely anything. She understood that why we had to cancel. Um, All of those things came together and we were able to put together like a really great virtual event, which was also anxiety inducing. So it's like, it's not only anxiety inducing when you're just planning an event where people go in person and you have to make sure you sell tickets, but it's equally anxiety inducing when you're like, technology is a big part of it. And is the sound going to work for this event? Are people actually going to buy a a ticket to attend an event where she's hanging out in her living room? Um, It brings all of these other questions up. And like, I'm grateful that was my first experience doing this because I know I'm going to have to continue doing things like this. Because I'm just, you know, it's the thing, it's like, okay, maybe things will open up in June and that's great. But also promoting an event is it means you have to do it before June. And if no one is thinking about going outside or everyone is nervous about being outside, um, you can't promote something. There's just not enough time. And you can't promote something when you're like, all right, well, this might happen here, but it might happen here. Like you need to be able to say, here's the thing and when it is and where it is. And here, and, and again, it comes down to the why, like, well, here's the thing. And here's why you want to be there. Right. And I think, through all of this and not just work-wise, but I noticed that if something is definite, like very closed, if it is closed, people are not going to go. But if there is a gray area, people are still going to venture out, right? So it's like, I don't want anyone to have to be anxious about the gray area. Like, should I go? Should I not go? Oh, um, yeah. I want them to to know that <laughs> they don't have to go somewhere and that they just have to tune in on their computer and we've made a decision. But it is a hard part to decide after all of that work or all of that planning, knowing like eight months ago, they thought they were going on tour, um, that that's changing. So I think that has been sort of taking up a majority of my time since we've been home. Um, 
And, and uncertainty it, is exhausting. It it's is. so exhausting. It, it is. Um, it really, really, truly is. And I, uh, I think the media thing, like I said, has been a little, has been fine. You know, most media is home. I feel like they've been very responsive. And I do think romance is a comfort read. Um, oh, yes. People want to read romance. And I, I feel like people are very receptive to pitches. But it's like, do I have time to write them? Because I'm reworking something that I shouldn't have had to rework in the first place. So it's also sort of having to deal with that. Um, and I think marketing-wise and even just being on social, it's that's it's tough. I mean, we talk a lot about tone and what our readers want to hear. And, you know, I feel like I run a newsletter for um, reviewers and book bloggers and bookstagrammers. I'm on this newsletter. Yay! And I will tell you, it's fabulous. Oh, you are doing you. a wonderful job with this newsletter. Oh, it is thanks. really well done. Thank you. I try. I f- I, you know, every people are very complimentary about it, but then it's also sort of selfish for me because it feels good to just be honest with people and talk to them about books or like, if they don't want to read books, that's, an, that's fine too. And, um, I enjoy having that kind of outlet for myself. Um, and even just going on social and talking to them, it helps me as much as it helps them. Yeah, you know, um, for sure. I'm sure you feel that similarly. Um, I have never been more thankful for my own website than I have been in the last few months. I mean, yeah. not only my traffic is massive, like the increase has been astonishing, but People are coming to hang out and be in a space that is welcoming and safe and comfortable. And we're just talking about books, and it's it's a it's a it's a safe respite to just be in the comments and to talk to people. And the other thing is that I've noticed with with romance readers, um, people who I didn't usually see talking about reading romance have been like, that's all I'm reading. I'm reading nothing but romance. I don't care what anyone thinks. Give me more, please. I want more. Have you noticed increase in attention to certain styles or genres or comfort reads or contemporaries or paranormals like like exploding? Have you noticed an increase in your, in your sales and attention of different books in your lists? I mean, I, I mean, everyone is talking about rom-coms forever. Um, and that still is something that people are really coming to. They just, they want to laugh, but I also think a lot more people are, um, listening to audio, which is amazing. And I've seen so much more audio updates on Instagram, um, especially, which has been amazing. And I, and also, I don't know, this doesn't really answer your question, but I've been really happy to see how many romance readers are supporting indie bookstores at this time. Because oh, I think for sure. It's such a huge part of what <laughs> I'm trying to do as much as I can in my position, but also as much as I can do personally, um, because I worry about them so much and <laughs> they're so important to the book community. Um, yes. So I think that's been also really lovely to see. Um, you know, it was supposed to be independent bookstore day uh, this past weekend and um, a lot of people still put updates up and there were like a lot of like virtual things going on. And it was just really nice to see how many people were saying like, yeah, I bought from my store like this past weekend and, um, or I tried this store and it's been, I really have been really happy to see that because it's just so important. And I think even for romance readers where I think they haven't always felt welcome, 
at an independent bookstore. I'm just like, you know, they, I, I don't know. It just warms my heart even more. I was just going to say, much like the media has changed a lot in the last few years in how they cover and examine romance, more independent bookstores have become more welcoming and open and eager to have romance readers in the store. I've noticed that shift in the last few years, too. Yeah, it's amazing. And I I mean, there's still a long, long, long way to go, but mm-hmm. I'm so happy to see that they're more receptive, um, even if it's, you know, just trying out a romance event for the first time. Um, yeah, I think it's been really, at least it's just been really amazing to see. I love the indies that I work with. And when I worked in kids, I worked with indies all the time because we were planning um, tours all the time and the indies would plan school visits with our authors. So that was one part that I really missed when I first started at forever because there were really opportunities to have events. So I am just so glad that that has come back. Um, because I'm personally a huge like bookstore goer and I'm I'm sad that I can't walk to my local bookstore right now. Um I'm sad for like that bookstore browsing is not a thing right now. So, you know, anything that we can do to support them is just so important. What are some things that are working for you in terms of publicity and talking about books online when everyone is um alone and together online. What are some things that are working for you? I think talking about rereading books is a really... (laughs) That's the topic of my article for the Washington Post, rereading. Yep. I think, you know, it's so funny. I think when a lot of people are in book slumps, my number one piece of advice is always go back and reread your favorite book. Um, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I stand by that. And I think a lot of people are doing that right now. And I'm happy to... I'm happy to like cheerlead them when they do that. Even I think, well, this is sort of going around your question, but I think, you know, on Twitter and social in general, and everyone's always talking about new releases, right? I mean, my job is mm-hmm. to talk about new releases, but at this time, not everyone can go out and buy new releases. Let's be real. Unfortunately, Every- no. Like everyone is dealing with a lot of personal stuff. So I think also making sure... <laughs> that they realize it's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to always get the new shiny thing because more than likely there are five books in your house or your apartment or wherever you are that you haven't read yet, even if you're from years ago. And I think it's a good time to go back and look at what you have. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's something, you know, I don't, I never think like our social is like overly promotional. I think we speak more to the emotion of reading and the excitement we get and kind of fangirling over it. I think that's what forever does um, on social. And I think just continuing with that and also giving our readers access to authors in a way maybe that they haven't had before, just because everybody is home and there is that opportunity to schedule things because not everyone's as busy. Mm-hmm. So I think those are, those are some of things. I mean, and also just making sure we're sharing books that are available. I think a lot of people want to binge read an entire series. They want to know that they can get um, like the ebook for that book. Um, So those are all things that I'm thinking about as we continue to share content and continue to share our books. Yeah. I also think it helps a lot when, when talking about books that are new or that you haven't read before 
to emphasize what's familiar about it because our brains are also tired. Yes. Like the 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 hook, forgive me, of my article for Washington Post is that it's normal to want to reread because your brain is exhausted. When everything is new, everything is exhausting. And going to the grocery store requires like a 15-step containment process. Mm-hmm. There is no autopilot. We're all tired and our brains are tired and cognitive energy is a finite resource. So when you reread something, you're revisiting something where a lot of the cognitive work has already been done. And if you're binging a series, you're revisiting a world where you've already experienced that world. You, you've done half the work already. Right. You, you can just enjoy the new, the new, the new series. It's true. I was it, thinking in particular, like small town romance, right? I just finished reading sure. one last night, like going back to that town is something we always look forward to when the new book comes out in general. But even so now going back, like reuniting with maybe some characters from previous books and also just yes. seeing what's up in the town, it is so comforting. And it was actually my poor husband on all of these walks we go on is like hearing me talk about, um, this new book that we're, we have coming out in July and why I think people are really going to like it, um, you know, because it does have like summertime feelings and things we like. And um, Which book also, is this? Oh, it's um, it's Annie Rains. She ha- writes the Sweetwater Springs series for us. They're sweet romance. And it's called Sunshine on Silver Lake. And basically in this book, there's like this great like 4th of July celebration and this great festival and all of these people coming together, which is something we're probably not going to have this year um, in real life. But it was really just heartwarming and comforting to watch all the characters hang out and just have like a really nice summer night. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But that that series in general, I, I always like going back to it. She just has such great little side characters, but even more so, it felt really, really good. Yeah, the same is true for uh, the Carly Bloom books. You're visiting this very, very small community. Exactly, exactly. And Carly Bloom, it's like, you're going to laugh. You know you're going to laugh. And I think that that's really nice too. And with those stories coming back and reuniting with the characters, sure. But then also like because of the fairy tale element, I think that's also something really nice and comforting right now. Um, Mm -hmm. My husband and I have been- familiar. Yeah, it is. We've been um, going back and trying to watch all the Disney animated movies in a row um, from the beginning, which has been a very slow process because neither of us really want to watch Fantasia. So it's kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> but that's why I think like reading something like Carly Bloom series with the fairy tale, like Cinderella is cowboy come home. And then going back and like, okay, what Cinderella movie can I watch? Like we have time to do all of the things now. We can read the book and then we can watch a movie to complement it. And I think that sort of permission to indulge is so important. Like I notice at the end of the calendar year when it's holiday shopping, people sort of feel like they have permission to buy and splurge and, you know, gift shop and go shopping and indulge in, you know, holiday parties. There's this sort of, it's okay to do that right now. Yeah, in this period of time where we've all, we, we've got permission to wear comfy clothes and eat comforting food and read comforting things and watch our favorite stuff. It's okay. You've got nothing else to do. Do what makes you happy. I was talking to a friend about this and she was saying it's like perpetual summer vacation. And I can't yes. get that out of my head. Like on fr- Friday night, whatever week that was, I like stayed up till 3 a.m. reading an entire book. I was like, when is the last time I ever did that? It was and why not? Right, exactly. I was like, like I have nothing to do. Why shouldn't you? Yeah. Right. 
whatever is going to give you comfort and joy and peace right now, do that for sure. I Especially totally, if it's romance, go do that. Yeah, I, I, I can agree more. I mean, we just need it. We just, yeah. we just need it. So can I ask you, uh, this is going to seem like five and a half years ago. Okay. But can I ask you about the walkout? You can. You can. I Remember that? It, yeah, it does feel like five and a half billion years ago. Was it February? No, it was in March. It was like the week. <laughs> I know. It was the week before. I want to say we were, yeah, it was early March. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yes, that's right. Because I was on, I was on vacation the first week of March. And I remember reading about the work, the walkout and thinking, fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So tell me about it. What happened? Well, it all started when um, they had made an announcement that Grand Central would be publishing the Woody Allen memoir. Boo. Um, yeah. I mean, we... Like, again, forever is a part of Grand Central. Um, I remember being at my desk and getting the email with the press release and think, and like my stomach just like dropped. And oh, like, oh, I can't man. imagine. Yeah, I was like, this is, this is not going to be good. Um, and it it's, hurts you know, when it's, that, that happens. It does hurt. Yeah, it, it does. I think, especially, I don't know if you were following what happened with the American Dirt novel at McMillan oh, yes. very closely, but. You know, yes. we that had just again. I don't know what dates are, but I think that had happened in like February, um, and we. I was following that really closely. You know, when you're in publishing, you know people who work everywhere, so you know people who work at Macmillan and um, are dealing with that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really hard <laughs> to. It's just. It's you know. I think there's. It's a reminder that as great as our jobs are and how fun they are. It's like there is someone in charge and who is making these decisions that doesn't necessarily align with what you think is right. And I think that's sometimes the hardest thing to, I don't, I don't know, give, give into. Um, I think, and I think I felt that way with the Woody Allen. I just didn't understand why we were giving him a platform. I mean, of course, this is all my personal opinion, not really understanding how it felt into the grand scheme of the type of books that GCP publishes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really emotional time at work. Um, when talk of a walkout started to pop up, I, I honestly didn't know what I would do. Um, Very scary to stand is. up against your job like that. It is really scary. And it's, you know... I'm like a, a mid-level person and, you know, <laughs> I, it's like, not like I have a, like a backup job or and it's not even like you can think about all of those things, like right yeah. before it happens. Um, but we had had a town hall um, with our CEO and the publisher of GCP um, that afternoon, like before they were planning. And I was thinking, let me see how that goes. Because at that point, they had already had many like one-on-one conversations with people um, who worked at the imprint. And I thought the town hall was just like rough. I mean, I've never, I, I don't remember ever feeling, or just like a down feel. So the morale was just super low. I mean, I just don't know how else to 
say, like, I can still feel how, feel it. Like you, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I think there were just so many brave coworkers who were, um, willing to come forward and speak and tell stories and ask really tough questions. And I'm just like, I don't think I'm that good. Um, (laughs) like right off the bat, like I'm someone who really needs to like go home and like think it through. And Mm -hmm. I'm more of a quieter person when it comes to things like this. Um, and there was just like no time for, for that. Um, and so I'm just, I'm beyond impressed by my coworkers and what they were able to share, um, how they really put the decision makers to task. I thought it was uh, beyond impressive, but also the answers were disappointing. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think, you know, it happened in the beginning of March. Then the next week, we basically are, it's like COVID. Everyone's talking about it. When are we, how are we going to work from home? What's safe? All of these things. And even after the walkout, you know, no one knew, are we, are they going to cancel the book? Um, mm-hmm. Like no one really. It was Go ahead. people from just about every part of the shed. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. it was. It was, I guess I kind of sped to the, after this, but. Um, after that like town hall, I was just like, I can't, I can't think of sitting here and continuing my work today. I, I can't, it just felt like the answers that we were given were just not good enough. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to also walk out. Um, and it was, it was really, um, it was really amazing. Uh, yes. It was people from all over the company, um, and then the next day we go in and I didn't, I, it was just, it, we didn't hear anything. And, um, and then later in the afternoon, they announced that they were canceling the book, which I did not, I really did not think that they were going to cancel it. So I'm, I'm happy that they canceled it, but I think also because this just hit up right against COVID, I worry that a lot of the conversations that were started have disappeared. Um, I don't think so. For two reasons. One, people are talking a lot more to each other online about everything right now. Okay, good. very good point. Also, that's a situation where you might have felt really alone. Like, do I want to walk out? Do I want to go outside? Do I want to? Do I want to leave my space and stand up and do something different? And then you go outside, and there's like a ton of your coworkers who all made the same decision, right? So you you were not alone in doing the strange and terrifying thing. And now you're still not alone in doing the strange and terrifying thing, which is staying home and not leaving your house at all in New York, where you live in an apartment. Believe <laughs> me. You have all my empathy. Um, it, it, there's a parallel there, I think, because you're, you know that you're not alone when you see everyone else doing the strange and terrifying thing too. And that you do have, when you work together, an enormous amount of power, but it's really hard to get everyone to work together. So when it works, it's really inspiring. And I think, I don't think that conversation is going to stop because it worked. It That's massive. Like, I didn't expect that either. And then it was published by somebody else and everyone was like, yep, and it sucked. Mm-hmm. I know. We were, we were actually just talking about that because it was published <laughs> right during when we're like all stay at home and then it was like sort of a blip on the news and then it just totally went away. 
So yep. I think you're right. And actually this kind of, I've been kind of obsessively watching Andrew Como's um, com- uh, conferences every, every day. And, you know, he keeps talking about how we have to learn from the past. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of brings me back to this too. It's like, you know, I hope that the decision makers like remember this whole <laughs> situation yeah. and it just doesn't happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there will always be toxic men desiring platforms uh, to talk about how wonderful they are, but with enough coordination, maybe we can make them shut up. I mean, we can only hope, right? Right. Uh, I mean, I think sometimes I'm like naive in my hopefulness that this won't happen again, but you know, we've been disappointed time and time again with a lot of the decisions publishing makes. Um, but you got this one. Right. It's true. It's true. Like that's major it's really hard to convince a publisher to forego money. Like that's not how business works. I know I run one. So it's really hard to be like, yeah, you should give up this, this book that might make you money or get you attention because it's the right thing to do. Um, That's a big win. It's a really big win. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So how are you in New York? You okay? <laughs> Haven't heard any sirens. I was like, shit, are there going to be sirens in the background? Because I know that's a very big deal. Yeah, there there hasn't really been any today. It's been getting louder. Um, it's been, it's weird. Being in New York is weird. I mean, we're outside of the city, but we can, you know, we see the subway every day. We can also walk a little bit and we see the Long Island Railroad. And it's just crazy to think there's barely anybody on those trains right now. Um I think we're really lucky. I mean, I feel like I have a good place to work and my husband is great and like, we're fine. Um, But it's just, you know, we're not used to being stuck in our apartment this much. We really look forward to our long walks on weekends or just like stopping by a bar and um, just doing those little things. Even just grocery shopping um, has totally changed. And I have always hated grocery shopping in general. Oh, me too. God, it's the worst. And now it's- I don't know where anything is. I'm inefficient. Stuff moves around. Uh, It's been, the last, maybe not this past week, but the last two times before that, I just wanted to cry when we were there. Just seeing the empty shelves. I mean, we we started actually going to a different grocery store because we live like close to tiny ones, but because- they are tiny. We didn't want to go to them anymore. Oh, it's so stressful. When yeah. We're, we were talking about that here. Like, do we go to this store that has the wider aisles or do we go to this one that's closer that has the narrower aisles? Yeah, we actually- I'm not used to thinking about that. I know, me neither. But I'm glad that we started, like, we just have to walk 10 minutes and we go to a bigger store where they have a lot of, they put a lot of rules in place before our tinier stores did. Mm-hmm. And um, they have like a lot more variety of food. Um, but it's just weird to think like that's our one outing um, a week. I mean, we do walk every every night. We try to, but we do it late. So we don't really see that many people. Um, mm-hmm. But then the grocery stores really are big, our big moment of the week. And that's yep. strange. <laughs> and the thing about living in New York when you live in an apartment is that so much of your life takes place in other places. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's, I, I don't know. It feel like, it's funny because, you know, the only time that I'm not on the subway or I'm not commuting, it's like usually when I'm on vacation, but now it's just like, that's not the case. 
I'm sitting in my apartment and, you know, we have like a one bedroom that is a relatively decent size, but it's still small when you're working and living and trying to like have a good time all in the same space. Um, I do have a, a greater appreciation for it though. I think we've really, it feels very cozy right now. It feels very homey. We've like hung up some photos that we've been like putting off forever. And, um, yeah, so I think it's been, we're we're sort of nesting in many, in many ways, which I'm sure a lot of people feel, but it's still, it's still strange. It just doesn't feel like New York. I mean, no one is a fan of this. There are good days and there are bad days. And I, it's just hard when there's no ending. And also, like the things to look forward to, you don't even know what those things are. <laughs> no, and you don't know what they'll be like. If you could go back to like February Estelle and be like, listen, there's going to be a time when you miss the subway and you miss your office and you miss going to work, like you would not believe. Would you, would you, would past Estelle have believed that? No, not at all. <laughs> you know what's actually so ironic is that, um, I'm going to say Hachette is a, is a great company to work for. They literally are very, everyone is very nice. But one thing that they had started this year was like a work from home policy that was um, company wide. So it was a big thing where it was going to be like a lot more accepted to work from home. And then I'm like, that is just too funny to me that that was like the big initiative for this year. And literally that's all we're doing. But the positive side is that people who didn't think that we can work from home now know that we can because we have been forced to. So I'm, yes. I'm truly hoping that that change, changes things down the line and they'll be more open to hiring people who might not necessarily live in New York. Right, because it's not an easy or, or cheap place to live by any means. Not at all. So tell me, what books are you working on and what are you reading that you want to tell people about? Okay. What I'm working on. Well, I'm very excited. Um for June. We have The Boyfriend Project by Farah Roshan coming out. Um, I feel like I've been working on this book forever, which is also, I say forever all the time and then I just giggle. But um, (laughs) (laughs) Farah is amazing and I love her so much. And I think this book is going to be such a fun read for people, especially people who are missing their girlfriends so bad right now. Um, Oh, yeah. It's about three women who meet when they realize that they've been dating the same guy. Um, they decide to sort of take a break from dating completely, um, and they make a pact that they're all going to concentrate on a personal project that they've sort of been forgetting about or pushing to the side for a long time, which actually is so fitting for right now in general, because it's like we have all the time in the world to work on the thing that we've been avoiding. Um, so it's and so the main character decides that she's going to start working on an app idea that she had. And of course, like as soon as she agrees to the six months of no dating, she like walks into work and there's like a delicious new guy who's working and who's so kind to her and so thoughtful. And she's like, I just don't know if I can hold up my end of this bargain. Um, I really enjoyed this book and I'm so excited for this series. Like there's going to be three books and then each will follow um, each of the girls and their personal project. So I, there's just like a lot to like there. And again, Farah is just such a delight. And I'm really, really excited for readers to get this book. And then in July, I kind of skipped ahead and I was reading some of our summer books. But I read Paradise Cove by Jemmy Holiday, And if anybody knows me, <laughs> um, they know that I don't really shut up about Jenny Holiday. Um, <laughs> she, is, she is an amazing writer. Um, I think 
she's like she wrote rom-coms before rom-coms were all trade paperbacks I think her Bridesmaids Behaving Badly series um, was one of my favorites that I worked on and is personally a favorite series of mine that I would buy for anyone I know Um, but she started a new series this year that's a small town um, by a lake and the second book which she told me was her favorite um, it is her best work it's about um, the hero is a guy who lost his son a few years ago, um, his son passed away. He had since gotten divorced. And he's sort of like this fixer in the the small town. He like is quiet. Everyone um, understands that he's a quiet guy. They don't ask too much of him. But he's always going around and just like fixing things and helping people. And he starts helping this new doctor who comes into town. And they form a friendship. He is able to talk to her about things that he's never talked to anyone about. Um, And at the same time, she sort of has like this idea that she's only going to be in the small town for two years. We all know how that goes. Um, And they like, I don't know, just like the way that she wrote about grief in this book, the things that she had, the journey she had the hero go on, I thought was went way beyond what I expected. Um, I cried. I laughed. I read it in less than 24 hours. I truly think it's like a masterpiece and is going to go down as like one of my favorite romance novels ever. Um, Yeah, it was like, it was so good. And also they talk a lot about pizza in that book. And I was like, I'm here for the pizza conversation. Um, It was really, it was, it's really good. So that comes out at the end of July. So those are, those are two that I'm really looking forward to. I'm trying to think. Oh, and then we have um, actually another book that I, I've had a lot of reading time, as I'm sure you um, are not surprised, but um, I read <laughs> <laughs> Kiss My Cupcake by Helena Hunting. Um, this is a standalone uh, romantic comedy. And I swear, like, I couldn't have come at a better time because the book is about, like, two um, small business owners who are kind of competing for this spot on a huge YouTube channel. Um, and I think like, you know, when we're all talking about supporting small business and, um, we're worried about small business, I just, this book just felt like a love letter to small business and to family owned businesses. Um, it was very sweet. Like she's a cupcake owner and he owns a bar that has, um, was owned by his grandfather and it, it ties to the story of like family history and how the grandfather met the grandma. And it was just like, it was really great. I really enjoyed it. So that one comes out in August. And I just think everyone's going to need this like <laughs> sweet romance. Um, and again, just I just loved how it was all about um, small businesses supporting each other. And yeah, so that was, a, that was a really good one. I think Helena's a really fun writer. And I think people are really going to like it. And there are a ton of cupcakes in that book. So then you're going to be real hungry. And then you can bake because we have all the time in the world. <laughs> I'm here for both the pizza and the baking conversation. Like these sound like great conversations. I'm happy to have about have for like two or three hours. Right. Totally. I mean, it was so funny because I was like emailing Jenny about something and she's like, well, I'm just like not sure what the hook is here. I'm like, clearly the hook is whether or not people like Hawaiian pizza or not. That is all we need to talk about. <laughs> I like when there's food and books. I mean, it does make me hungry, but I just feel like it's a nice little memory. <laughs> Can I talk about some fun reading? Some fun reading that was not forever related. Um, Obviously. I read A Real Men Knitting by Kwana Jackson. 
I stayed up really late reading this one. That This was before my 3 a.m. reading uh, marathon. It was like the book I read before that, but I was staying up really late reading it. And I guess, in again, it's like set in New York and it's about um, brothers who are trying to figure out what's going to happen with their mom's knitting shop after she passes away. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm just feeling... I mean, clearly I'm feeling nostalgic for all things in New York right now because nothing is normal, but it was just like another story about people coming together and figuring out this like important business to a community, <laughs> um, which is like not a sexy hook at all. But um, to me, I just felt like it was really fitting for the time. And I also just loved the the romance. It was just like two people who always had feelings for each other, but like for one reason or another, never acted on it. Um, and it was just really, it was really sweet and I really enjoyed it. Um, I haven't like stayed up. I know I talked about the 3am thing a lot, but before that I hadn't really been like, oh my God, I need to stay up till 1am reading this and I don't really want to stop. But I really, I really enjoyed it. So that was one of my fun reading ones. And I really, I mean, I'm still like really liking, um, The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. I feel like I've recommended that book to a lot of people. And I actually just, I missed my mom and my sister's birthdays because, you know, quarantine. Um, so I sent them like a box of romance novels and I included the Mia Sosa in there. Cause I was like, well, they're quarantining together. Like they could just bar- like exchange the books. Um, so I sent them the worst best man. And I'm, I think my mom should be reading it now. So I'm anxious to hear what her, what her review is because she's been leaving book reviews on Facebook, which is hilarious and adorable. <laughs> At least you get to, you're, you're sharing something with people. Yeah. I mean, I used to steal her books, so I might as well just like give her all of the Use books Use your now. powers for good. Yeah. I have to say she really likes that I have this job because I'm constantly, constantly like, here, you should read this. You should try this. How about that? So she has all the books. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Fear not, friends. I will have links to all the books we talked about and several other nifty things in the show notes. And guess, 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 guess where you can find them. I bet you know. Smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. Yes. Sometimes I even screw up saying my own URL. That is big fun, let me tell you. This episode was brought to you in part by Best Fiends. If you are looking for a way to pass some time, and we all have some time, and if you like games that give you puzzles that get increasingly more difficult while also giving you a fun and adorable story, your answer is Best Fiends. Every level is a different puzzle. Each puzzle is one of the swiping matching kind that are super fun and very difficult to stop playing. I know I've said this before, but I was very happy waiting an awfully long time outside our favorite Chinese takeout place going through about 20 levels because they had a backlog of orders, can you imagine? And I had bugs and swiping puzzles and adorable characters talking to me and I did not mind at all. You can engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters with over 100 million downloads. Trust me, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You want to get in touch with me? Tell me about how much you also need a haircut and that like me, you have the hairstyle of every member of every boy band ever at the same time. Oh, yes, I feel your pain. Uh, You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. 
So if you have suggestions or you want to share a recipe, uh, I had a number of requests for more episodes about baking and desserts and cake. Uh, We can totally do that because I am baking all sorts of things. Please email me and let me know, sbjpodcast at gmail.com. I always end each episode with a terrible joke. And today is no exception because obviously we need really bad humor. This joke comes from Shell and it made me grin because, well, you know how terrible these jokes are, right? They're really bad. All right, here we go. Professional podcaster voice. Why did the bubble gum cross the road? Give up? Why did the bubble gum cross the road? It was stuck to the chicken's foot. It's, there's some points where I read these and I can sort of hear you go, ugh. So I imagine there was groaning just then. There was, right? Yeah, I'm sure. On behalf of myself and all of the mammals currently trapped in my office, because I shut the door like a terrible podcaster, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful, tranquil weekend, and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.